If you use the internet on a daily basis, and chances are you do, you probably don't put much thought into cybersecurity. You know, your network connections, the pages you visit, the files you download. You should be thinking about these all the time. Welcome to And Security for All. Your host is Kim Hakem. We're here to help you understand, in general terms, how and why your cybersecurity should be kept in check. Now, here is Kim Hakem. Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. I'm Kim Hakem, your host. If this is the first time tuning into the show, welcome to another episode of And Security for All. And welcome back to all of our regular viewers on LinkedIn Live and on Voice America. Um, it's definitely been a fun week this week for so many reasons. I actually just flew in early, early, early this morning um, from Utah. So I got a little skiing in. So that was fun. The snow in Utah is insanely crazy. I've never really in my life seen snow piled up that high. So um, hopefully all that snow out in Utah is going to be great for all the lakes in Salt Lake City. We also started the week with an amazing Super Bowl, and I think my guest today might be excited as well. I'm a huge, huge Chiefs fan, so that was exciting and fun to watch, and hope everyone had a happy Valentine's Day and lots of crazy stuff going on in the United States this week. All these crazy balloons in the sky and um, that, sadly, that train wreck out in Ohio. I do want to wish all of our friends out in Ohio wellness and safety. Horrible, horrible what's going on over there. My guest today um, happens to be from Kansas City. I have uh, Rihanna Schultz, and she is a graduate from uh, the Universal University of Central Missouri, and she has her bachelor's degree in science and cybersecurity, and she's been doing some really great things. She has um, been exposed to a numerous amount of SANS hosted classes and has a background in endpoint security engineering, network security engineering. She works as a team lead out of Garmin at Garmin out of their security operations center. And she's a part-time cybersecurity instructor at USM. And she currently volunteers as a STEM mentor for local high schools and is involved in the National Cyber League coach. I think that's really awesome. We need more women like her. Kudos to her for everything that she's um, doing for our next generation of cybersecurity practitioners. So welcome to the show, Brianna. Thank you, Kim. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> well, are you a Chiefs fan? Uh, absolutely. I'm not as a big fan of some folks here in Kansas City, but I definitely wear my right on Fridays. So, <laughs> yeah, I was really excited. I actually, when I was in my 20s, lived in Kansas City for about 10 years, and they just, the Chiefs used to break our heart all the time. And I'm out of St. Louis, and when the Rams left, everybody became a Chiefs fan. I'm oh, like, yeah. no, that they're you're not really a Chiefs fan. So um, real <laughs> Chiefs fans are those people that were out at that parade that I watched. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so anyway, well, congratulations to all your success. Um, I know at such a young age, and I love um, – I've been doing, I've been in this industry for a couple of decades. And when I first started, you would rarely see many young women, you know, in cybersecurity. So it's really great to see everything that you're doing. And we were talking back of before you got on the, sh before we went live, 
tell us a little bit. All I know about Garmin is that before cars had GPSs and before phones had GPSs, we used to own all those little devices that were in our car for GPSs. So now that that's gone away, what's going on with Garmin? And tell us a little bit about that. And then we'll get yeah. into your role. Yeah, absolutely. So like you kind of mentioned, right, Garmin started off as a GPS company and definitely has evolved with the times here. Uh, we do a little bit of everything between marine, aviation, and also now we make fitness products such as our watches. Uh, recently, around the holidays, Garmin released a new bounce watch for kids. And so it allowed parents to track where their kids are and they're able to communicate with close relatives and friends for fast communication. And that way you don't have to give a young child a, a smartphone. <laughs> and then, um, and you said they're based out of Kansas City, but are you said yeah, they're a it Swe is, uh, technically a Swedish company, but our headquarters are located in Olathe, Kansas. But we are very global. We have over 19,000 employees currently <laughs> globally. <laughs> so you... Um so you, you graduated in 2018 and you dove right in. I mean, I think that's really great. How, how there's so many people, I think we have so many conversations about um, people that are going to school for cybersecurity and how hard was it for you to transition into the industry and what kind of path did you take? Yeah, so when I first started college, I actually did not start as cybersecurity. I started as criminal justice. I wanted to go into the state highway patrol and um, somehow found my path into computer science. And cybersecurity actually wasn't a bachelor's degree when <laughs> I started finding out about this field, essentially. I got halfway through my computer science program and cybersecurity became a major at UCM. And that's when I went ahead and made that transition. So what was really nice was one of my professors, his spouse worked at Honeywell and I was able to make connections at Honeywell and really start my, my career from there. Um, I do teach college on the side and that's always one of the questions my students ask me is, hey, what can I do now to make myself marketable for when I graduate for college? And I said, well, there's a lot of things you can do. Um, internships are always high, highly encouraged, but sometimes they're not easily obtainable, especially within a limited amount of time if you just started looking while you're in your last couple of years. Um, I always suggest to kids, you know, put your coding homework, your PowerShell scripts, make that into a GitHub repository, put that on your resume, get involved in local security groups or organizations. Uh, here in Kansas City, we have a few called uh, SecKC, and then also OWASP and some other small organizations as well. And that way it looks like you're trying to get involved, you're wanting to connect with your community and it allows you to get those experiences without essentially getting those internships right away. Well, we have a couple of, um, just I'm gonna do a couple of shout outs to some of our listeners. Jonathan Kimmett, he, um, he, he helps me sometimes with the show. I think he's doing it next Friday for me, but he just left the University of Tulsa and he actually had his SOC team was the student. So I think he's done a lot of great things. So I'm sure he's, uh, I'm sure he's listening today because he wants to hear everything you're doing. And then uh, you, Chenna O, thanks for being here. And Nahid Amid, thanks for being here. April Boyd, thanks for being here. Um, and Michael 
Hogan. Yep. Go Chiefs. Uh, <laughs> thanks for being here. There, the, on mine, I can't see who's after April. It's just saying LinkedIn user on mine. So I'll come back to that. But um, thanks, everyone. Um, April must be a friend because she said uh, Rihanna is re representing Casey. So <laughs> Casey in the house. Hey, we're always happy to um, have women on the show. So I'm excited about that. And then uh, Anne-Marie Murray said, really, um, and and franchising content, Rihanna. So yeah, I can't wait to get into um, talking about Rihanna and what she's doing for uh, Garmin. And tell us a little bit. So so you start, how long have you been with Garmin? I have been with Garmin for one year and two months now. And it definitely does not feel like a full year. It feels like I started yesterday. And one of the highlighting things I really enjoy about Garmin is the culture. Um, everyone's really supportive for the mission and the vision that we preach here. And so it's really nice you come into work and everyone's ready to drive and take on challenges together. Well, so um, so you start working with Garmin and did you, what was the first thing you, did you go straight into the security operations team or? Yep. It, actually, when I first applied here, um, I applied for one of our incident response teams and it wasn't really a good fit for me. And one of the interviewers for the security operations center team was part of my interview panel. And we decided to make that career transition. So when I first got hired, I was actually hired on as a senior security analyst <laughs> and had the opportunity to move into leadership. So it's definitely been a great move for me. I enjoy my job and definitely the squad I work with. So backing up a little bit, because I really want to dive into what you're doing, because it kind of reminds me when I was young, I went into the Navy and there really wasn't, you know, I was working for the military police. There was only a few women that were there. And I kind of look at what you're doing as I wonder, what is the ratio? Are you one of the few women that are on that team? Yeah, um, on our operation side, uh, before I would say May or June, I was one of the only females on the floor. And we hired on another girl. She was right out of college and she has been a great addition to the team. And it's really always great to see <laughs> having another female presence on the floor uh, just because, you know, there's not really a whole lot of females in this field. So it's always great to see those small wins happening. And then you said that you're teaching. So you're teaching. I mean, you're you just graduated. I mean, that's so amazing that you're you. you're teaching at UCM. What is that? So I teach at UCM. Um, I teach a undergrad class on Monday and Wednesday this semester, and it's a night class. I have about 25 students, probably a little over than that. And the class talks about usability, privacy, and security. So even though as security professionals, we talk about how important it is to make our business secure. For example, password configurations, right? We want to make sure that they're complex, they have great length, but that might not always be usable to the business or the end users. So that class really deep dives into different types of security mechanics and how we can make it usable for a business. And then um, you're doing some volunteer work. One thing I have to say about Kansas City, you guys have such a strong group of women leaders in Kansas City. <laughs> and I see that because we do, you know, FutureCon, 
um, for I think everybody on here knows, but maybe not. You know, I'm the CEO of FutureCon, and we put on cybersecurity conferences all over North America. And you know, so I'm all over. We have about 28 events, so I'm in many different cities. And I would say Kansas City. Um, you guys yeah, are one of the number one. You know, who number one cities that's advocating and have such a great group of women leaders. I know Columbus, Ohio, they do the same thing, which is funny because Brittany, I'm not going to mess Brittany's uh, last name up. You can try if you want, but anyone from, anyone from, uh, how do you say her last name? It's like Holtz, Holtz, Holtz. Everyone yeah. in Kansas City knows who Brittany is, but now funny, she's working for Cardinal Health, which she's working with a strong group of women out of um, Columbus. So so kudos to what you're doing because you said that you're um, volunteering to um, mentor at some local high schools. What are you doing and how are you going in and how are you even getting those young girls to think the job you're doing is so cool? Because it really is a cool job. That you're it is doing. a cool job. <laughs> yeah. Um, I kind of, I didn't actually, it's funny because when I started volunteering with high school groups, it was actually a little bit of an accident. Um, last year and a little bit pre-COVID, I had the opportunity to connect with a Girl Scouts of America leader, and it was just a casual connection, and it turned into something that's a lot more that I do now, and I met with her high school group that she had, and I talked about internet safety, because that was one of the huge topics that they wanted to discuss, so I went in, talked about who I was and my background, um, brought in some STEM games. Girl Scouts of America has a great opportunity to really provide those hands-on activities for young women. And um, also, like I said, we deep dive into social media. Where is that data going and what that data can look like when you become an adult and maybe you posted something now that you might regret when you start applying for jobs down the road. And some of the moms in that group connected me with uh, high school teachers and they said, hey, this is what she does. She's a great connection. And it just kind of unfolded from there. Um, actually, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be going to another high school <laughs> in the middle of the day and talking about the same thing, who I am, what my job is. Um, if this is something that interests them, this is where they can go to start their career, whether they start without a college degree or with a college degree. And then also some of those basic internet safety stuff, right? Social media, password security, um, even social engineering attempts. Well, um, kind of going into what we were going to talk about today is, you know, we all know that phishing is one of the leading cyber attacks across the world, but it looks like that. Um, tell me a little bit about um, the research that you took a pool of users with three different phishing campaigns. Tell us a little bit about that and how that, um, how you got involved. Was that your SOC team that did that or tell? <laughs> Actually, uh, this was for my master's program and I wanted to do something that my university didn't really have research on. And you always read about phishing assessments and especially working in the industry while I was getting my master's, uh, there was always a presence that a 0% click rate with your security education program is something that should be achievable. And I thought to myself, I work in this industry, and that doesn't seem like a right goal to have, right? Because I want to teach my users. So my 
essentially my thesis really focused on where I took three fishing campaigns with a pool of students. And these students had backgrounds in computer science, cybersecurity, and software engineering. So they had computer background knowledge. And I fished them. And I took these three different campaigns, and they focused on three different threats. Uh, one of the threats I used was fish in a barrel. And if you're not really familiar with fish in a barrel, it's kind of like an old saying from the Western days where you put a bunch of live fish in a barrel and you pick one out and you hope that that's what you're going to eat for the day or you could have like really bottom feeder fish. So I just really wanted them to click. And these emails had a large number of fishing characteristics, specifically with this campaign. Um, they had spelling issues, bad grammar, uh, the sentencing structure just didn't make sense. Uh, clearly something that wasn't an expected email. And then I took a second type of email from the following campaign. And this really focused on, you know, maybe spoofing in a, a domain or whatever the case is. And I slowly progressed to get harder with each campaign because, A, I wanted to learn if I sent the same type of threat twice, will I have a lower or higher click rate? And at the end of my research, I found out that the first two campaigns, uh, there was less clicks by the second similar threat. And when I reached to that harder, really difficult to spot fish, um, in fact, I think I spoofed the university's uh, Department of Technology email, and it looked like a user would have to go in and change their password. I had a lot of clicks on this. And then I spoofed uh, another UCM, very popular type of email, and the users also had a large click on this. So in my research, I concluded users need to be trained on threats. Um, even though we have a low click rate on maybe a fish in a barrel or a spear phishing attempt, clearly spoofing was a type of education my users were missing. And if I was doing this in my corporate environment, I would take these metrics back to my leadership and I would say, hey, yes, we have a lot of clicks on this, but there is a knowledge gap with our user base. So let's let's try to find more types of threats like this that we can put in our security education pool because our users are essentially a layer of defense in our environment. And just like how we continuously upgrade firewalls or even update blacklists, our users need to have that same type of mindset of patching and being updated. We just have to do it at a mental level. So for our listeners on Voice America, most of our um, listeners on LinkedIn are pretty, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty much all cybersecurity uh, practitioners. But can you explain, break down, like, what is a SOC team and what, what's your daily goal? Like, what are you doing daily and what is the SOC team as a whole doing? Oh, yeah. Um, we, <laughs> our SOC team is always very, very busy. Um, whenever I do university talks or I talk about my day to day, I like to use the phrase that my team is essentially first responders for our business, meaning we're the first people that see and hear a security threat that's happening in our business. And we have to act with a sense of urgency and a high paced mindset of thinking because our decisions is going to impact more than just hey, security says this is good or bad, right? There might be financial impact, there might be business loss or revenue, but we really try to hone in on that so that way our business can continue production. So what what would be expected of like you, like right when you started, what were you doing on a daily basis? Oh, we see, we see a lot of different types of threats. And as Kim mentioned earlier, you know, 
fishing, fishing is probably number one that we see a lot of, right? Fishing's forever evolving. Um, the threats are always forever evolving with it. And then of course, you know, you always have that user that might want to install a, uh, a, a mouse cursor that looks like a Harry Potter wand, but <laughs> you know, it might be an attempt of installing a Trojan on a computer. So then that's when we go in and we make sure it's contained. And we really just want to ensure that security education is present with the user. So, hey, these are some things that you can do to prevent yourself from falling to a security risk in the future. So who is your hierarchy? Because we were talking prior that uh, Garmin doesn't have a CISO. So what is your hierarchy of, you know, the, the chain of, you know, who, who, who's, who's the person that is not sleeping at night because they're, they're worrying about the whole, you know, security <laughs> posture of Garmin? Yeah, and I mentioned earlier in this podcast, you know, Garmin's very big on culture. We all walk in and we have the same mindset that we're supporting a mission and vision. And one of the amazing things that our leadership has is that they allow us to do our job. And I would say even though um, my, my hierarchy for security goes all the way up to a director level, um, we all sit there and we all lose sleep together because we're a team together, you know. Uh, we're all sitting here trying to make sure that Garmin stays secure at end of the day. Um, a couple comments. Uh, Daniel, uh, do you know Daniel? You might know how to say his last name. Gutierrez. <laughs> yeah, it's a way to represent uh, Garmin. And John, uh, John Williams said, go mules. I don't really know what mules are. Do you? Yes, that's the UCM mascot. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. But April uh, Boyd said, I invited Rihanna to speak to my college students yep. in the cybersecurity class I taught. She really uh, expanded their mind as future technologists. So when you're going and you're speaking to these students and you're talking about social media, mm -hmm. how are you? First off, let's uh, talk about... Um, why I just, why I, let, let's talk about some of the social media platforms, you know, and um, TikTok. Yeah. But it's, are, do you, are you using TikTok? No, I'm one of those people that watch the TikToks two days later on YouTube shorts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's pretty much what I do too is yep. yeah, just because of all the fear I hear from our speakers at our events about TikTok. And, um, it's, it's scary. And um, there was a LinkedIn influencer, and I wish I could give him a shout out for his name. It's just one of those things that you see when you scroll through LinkedIn. Um, he actually screenshot the amount of CPU, CPU usage that TikTok has on your phone. And it was one of the highest used apps that are running on the background compared to like Facebook, which is maybe using two to three percent, or Instagram, which is just this equivalent. Well, will you explain what that is? What that? Yeah. Is so whenever that? you use a application on your phone and you don't close that app out, um, it will run processes and resources on the back end because it's constantly refreshing on your phone, etc. So when this influencer posted the screenshot of TikTok being one of the highest used applications on the back end. It kind of makes you think, like, why is it using almost half of my resources on my phone to keep an application refreshed in the background? So just one of those things that you really don't think if you're a normal day-to-day -day end user that's using TikTok. So what is your message when you're speaking to these um, students about that? 
Yeah, um, not specifically TikTok, but when I talk about social media in general, um, I like to use this website. It's called Spokeo.com, S-P-O-K-E-O.com. And it is essentially a website that takes all of those public digital footprint data that you leave, whether it's a public post, um, maybe you have location enabled when you make an Instagram post, and all of the public record data that you have about your property, maybe your marriage, et cetera. And it puts it all on this website. And I like to use my sister as a reference. She's a lot better now, but back in the day, <laughs> she, uh, she, you know, security was a, a second thought. She was a very unmotivated user with cybersecurity. And when I do these talks, I pull up this website and I put in my sister's name and it shows exactly where she made her Instagram post. Um, it shows exactly where she lives how many kids she's had, how long she's been married, um, things that you would consider as private information, especially to some people. And it's kind of an eye-awakening moment, especially for these young girls who are on all these apps and they're just posting and, you know, maybe using it as a public diary. And I always say, you know, I've gone through job interviews where they've tried to look me up online to see who I am as a person that's not a professional person. And even though I really I don't have any social media, that's not my lifestyle. I always get the question like, well, what can I do now? What can I do to prevent this? So that's when we talk about think before you post. Um, also, let's talk about security settings with these apps. Do you guys know what this means? Um, how to make yourself a little more private. But also, if you want to go the influencer route, what you can also do to make sure, you know, there's a happy medium with both of those. Well, is there a happy medium? I mean, no. <laughs> I, I, Instagram's not going away. Uh, no. <laughs> it doesn't look like TikTok's going anywhere either. So, um, you know, TikTok's I, yeah, a hard it's, one. You it's, know. A, it's definitely a hard one. And then it also goes back to also if you're a parent and you have your kids using these apps, you know, are you as a parent even understanding the security risk that you're putting with your kids? Um, there's always a very, I would say, controversial debate where parents post pictures of their infants, their brand newborn babies, because um, I grew up in a time age where my parents didn't have social media. But now my younger relatives that are in the family, their online identity has already been created, whether they wanted it or not. And uh, it's just one of those think before your post, because now it might affect your kid, even though you think it's a cute picture. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, there's just, there's just even not internally, like I just, like <laughs> when you're posting a picture when you're on vacation, you're already opening yourself up that I'm not home and my right. home is, you know, it's free, you know, yeah, just even little things like that. That's not even talking about the internal attacks that are happening on your phone. But um, Samantha Cashin said, Rihanna, um, Rihanna, how do I say it? Rihanna. Yeah, you're good, Kim. Rihanna. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like you're making such a positive impact on the younger generation who are looking to get into security. So glad that you're doing that. I mean, I think it's amazing because I think it's really we're in a time where it is really hard for a lot of kids to know that they have no idea. You know, yeah. I, I've mentioned it several times on this show that I kind of have an 18 year old that's still trying to figure out, she's my third, still trying to figure out what she mm -hmm. wants to do. And she should go into this industry because it's right up her alley. But, you know, I, I'm still, 
she should be listening to shows like this, but this is all, you know, boring to her, you know, know, while she's gaming somewhere, you know, Right. (laughs) but no, I think that's really good. I guess it's just, how do you, you know, how do you, um, and when you talk about girls or kids, not girls, our, our next generation, you know, what are your thoughts about now the boot camps versus, you know, trade schools versus a four year degree? Yeah, and it really depends, you know. Um, I think this is probably one of the beautiful things about cybersecurity in general, right? We all have different journeys and different paths. And eventually, our story, regardless if you go through the boot camp route or you do one of those online schools and you get the certs and then you get the interview, um, it's a way to inspire someone still at end of the day because this is a very demanding industry. We lose sleep, it's stressful. And if I can inspire another person to join me in a sock and help me fight those battles every day, absolutely. Uh, personally, and my college kids even ask this, and uh, they're like, should I get certification? Should I get my master's degree? Should I just drop out of school and just go straight into the industry? And honestly, to me, when I look at interviews, when I'm interviewing a candidate, I set aside their education requirements. Um, are they willing to learn? And are they going to be a good you know, fit with my team as well as maybe like, are they willing to put in the work? Are they willing to have that grit and that sense of success? Because like I said, this field is very, very demanding. And you know, we're all in here to put in together the same work to really support our mission. Jason McDaniel said, I'm working on writing a kid's book for cybersecurity, which is awesome. Yeah, I love that too. So, um, and I love, you know, going back to the Girl Scouts, I I was lucky enough to be at an event once and I did uh, meet, I can't think of her name, but the president of the Girl Scouts. And she was the one that implemented then to have that badge that, that, you know, um, is it a coding? uh, is it a coding yeah, event? Palo Alto um, collaborated with the Girl Scouts last year with uh, cybersecurity. So that was really awesome to see when you see like this really big vendor um, putting in those times and, you know, those resources for an organization like that. I know. I mean, when my girls were, you know, in Girl Scouts a long time ago, there was nothing like that. And it's really (laughs) awesome to see. I don't even think from my understanding, the Boy Scouts don't even have that. So, um, so I, I, I'm sure they're probably are going to soon, but last I heard that the Boy Scouts don't, but again, you know, I just think, um, there's so many, uh, different facets of, you know, of cybersecurity and in yep. the SOC organ and the SOC teams now, um, I should probably know this. So are you doing like pen testing as well? Or is that a whole Yeah, different- so Garmin's um Garmin's uh, cybersecurity, uh, we like to branch out, right? And that's to also allow us to pursue our passions here within our business. Um personally I am not a pen tester. Uh, that is not something that interests me as cool as uh, pen testing sounds. It's just, it's not for me. I like to hunt and I like to find bad things in my environment. That's that's why I wake up every day for my job. Um, also, you know, to lead my team and let them pursue their passions. Uh, here at Garmin, we have different teams. We have our vulnerability management team that really tracks uh, vulnerabilities or even Patch Tuesday releases. 
and our endpoint engineering team. So they really focus on hardening security at an endpoint level, whether it's antiviruses or providing even layers of email security, which also goes into our, our perimeter team. And they do a lot of our firewall administration. So we have a lot of different corners and avenues of cybersecurity here at Garmin, which is awesome. So what are you all doing for your non-security employees? How are you keeping them informed? And what is your, um, just your, how are you staying ahead of that? How are you Mm -hmm. integrating with the non-security folks at Garmin? (laughs) We have a team here at Garmin that does security education. So one of their big tasks is to inform our end users about security, whether it might be security threats, a new type of trend of threat. Um, We are very big on Cybersecurity Awareness Month here. Uh, I would say we we do a really good job with the business. Um, Everyone has fun. There's games, prizes, a lot of interactions and hands-on activities and also talks with some of the security departments here and what we do here at Garmin as well. So going back to, you know, what we were going to, you know, basically talk about on the show and and (laughs) a lot of fishing, you know, one of the, going back to your research you did, you said that it shows the psychological reasoning to why a user will still interact with the fish regardless of their security awareness. So um, why is that? Can you explain that a little more? So one, whenever I had a participant in my research click a fish, um, it would direct them to a survey. And it was a mix between open-ended and closed-ended questions because I wanted to understand why are these users clicking? And some of the reasonings I got back uh, just baffled me. Uh, one of them was curiosity. So I had a, a consistent group of users that were very curious as to what would happen if they clicked it. Uh, would something bad happen? Um, regardless if they knew it was a simulation or not. They just wanted to see the end result of what was going to happen when they interacted with a threat. Um, I also had a consistent pool of users who stated they just didn't care. Um, They weren't paying attention to their email. Uh, They just, it is what it is. If they click something bad, whatever. Um, One of my favorite responses, especially being in security, was the users had a false trust with their security appliances on their computer. So they thought that if this was truly malicious and it installed malware or whatever the case is, uh, their security appliances would be able to stop them from that threat. And I like that answer because it's it's kind of true on how some of our end users do think in our environment, right? They know that there is a sock. They know that cybersecurity is budgeted for the business. So they have that false trust that, hey, it's going to be okay if I do this. Um, even though as security professionals, we know that threats are constantly evolving, right? If a security appliance could stop threats immediately, I probably wouldn't have a job today. But that's why we have security education. That's why we have funding for cybersecurity departments is to stop those new types of threats that our appliances essentially aren't seeing. So what are some of the do you, do you see a trend of what some of the recent phishing attacks that you might be seeing at Garmin that people are getting tricked by? Uh, Garmin, not necessarily, um, but I do follow very closely to Red Canary's post. And I think you bought on their last one was rated as one of their top three types of uh, threats seen. So that's a very interesting read. And usually I would say Red Canary's pretty pretty consistent with what's happening around the world. Of course, 
Proofpoint always posts their threat pages as well. And I always like to compare to see what's happening because, hey, if we're seeing a trend in this type of threat, what are we doing here at Garmin to make sure that we're on top of this on this newly seen threat? You know, what monitoring do we have? What detection do we have? What can we stop before it even reaches our users? So what were some of the recent trends that you that Red Canary reported? Yeah, I can pull one up right now. Qbot was definitely on there. Um, they listed a threat actor. Sorry to put you on the spot. Oh, you're good. I was wrong. <laughs> of course, there's always high level, right? So we have Qbot. We have lists of different threat actor groups. And of course, a variant of ransomware here and there. Um, I do suggest anyone on this call to follow them on LinkedIn because they post very frequently. Um, if you have Twitter, of course, that's always a recommendation as well. So Qbot, tell us about that. What is that? <laughs> Qbot's really fun. Um, they, the email that comes with Qbot would look like you're responding to an old email chain. And essentially, the threat actor would social engineer its way with the user and allow the user to access you know, files to download or whatever the case is. Uh, Red Canary posted recently about different types of changes of how they're working, which makes sense, right? You know, we have awareness, we have the security community telling us how these threat actors are working. They're going to change their tactics here and there. But the user would have a password in the email and they would submit that password to whatever file share that the threat actor was hosting and it would download those malicious files onto the computer. So um, Red Canary, it's just interesting because we deal with so many vendors, hundreds and hundreds. It's just interesting that you pulled Red Canary because I know that there's um, tons of great other there's resources. Tons. You know, so do you do you feel like it's better to get your information from more of like a Forrester or a third party vendor? I I'm I'm a gatherer uh, personally. I like to see what everyone's posting. And then I like to compare, hey, maybe is there a pattern with what they're seeing as trends, right? Because each group has their own threat researcher team. And those teams might be focused on different avenues of the security world. So I just like to get all of it, right? <laughs> We've had some pretty fun guests on um, our show. And for anyone that's new to listening to the show, you can you can go find our old shows on any place you listen to your podcasts on Voice America, because we've had some great pen tester stories and some um, ethical hackers on the show. And it is uh, pretty interesting just listening to how vulnerable, you know, most companies um, are, are. And then Daniel said, threat intelligence knows all. So um, what, what is he referring to there? Yeah, so some companies, uh, Daniel's LinkedIn is very heavy in threat intelligence. So he likes to sit there and read about the different types of threat news that are happening. Um, of course, you know, whenever you have your own threat intelligence team, it's kind of secret squirrel of what they do and how they get their intel about the different threats or threat actors and how it could really impact your business. So what did you think about the movie? And it's kind of old news now, but um, <laughs> the Netflix, you know, about social media, what, what was it called? Um, kind of came out right at the beginning of COVID. And it was, you know, done by, you know, ex-executives from Twitter and Facebook. And do you know what I'm talking about? I, I'm going to be honest, Kim, I am not a movie person. <laughs> okay, well, somebody out there should shout it out in the, the room. But it was um, 
in the chat room because it was really good. It was a really eye opener for young kids. And I feel like, you know, it's just the, the addiction of social media and, and what's, you know, what they're doing on the back gear, their social engineering of making someone, you know, want to pick up their phone and not be able to put it down because of the social engineering behind the scenes. Um, yeah, it's, well, it's also social uh, dilemma. Someone, yes. Yeah, social so, yeah that's the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So um, um, there was a, a university, they actually did research as to why like some apps on your phone are very addicting. And, um, there was a study done on colors and colors like purple, orange, red. Uh, there was like another one that's very uh, like eye pleasing to the general base of the user. So if you think about some things like the notifications, um, like whenever you have a missed message on your on your phone, it's in a bubble and it tells you how many messages it's in red. Um, same thing with Facebook Messenger. Uh, blue is a very aesthetic color to users and the notification for how many messages you miss is also in red. Uh, the Instagram logo, right? Again, all those aesthetic colors are part of the logo. So it's a very marketing scheme. Um, another thing that they said that makes it addicting, if um, whenever you go to the slot machines, uh, you have that pull action with the lever. So that pull action is associated to something that's positive. And if you think about your feeds, you scroll. So that's a different type of motion, but within the same range. So it was kind of a fun research to read about. And it's kind of like, oh, I kind of think about some of the apps I use now. YouTube Shorts, right? It's a constant scroll. TikTok as a scroll. <laughs> right, right. And I know, um, yeah, all of my kids, I, you know, <laughs> they're, they're all on TikTok and I have three and Instagram. And I can see where it does. You know, I, I generally don't have the time to sit on Instagram, but if I am sitting at an airport and, you know, it is before you know it, 20 minutes has gone by and I'm just oh, yeah. looking at feeds, you know, so it's, it's definitely, uh, you, you definitely, it's just killing time. It's just such a waste of time. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, so where, what is your, you know, what's your, your future goals and what, where do you see yourself as you continue to grow through the security organizations? Where would you like to end up? Oh yeah. I mean, obviously my end goal is to continue to climb that corporate ladder. Right. Um, but this I'm leadership's a new title for me right now. And it's definitely taught a lot about who I am as a person, as well as how I can inspire my team to pursue their passions here within their job or within Garmin and also maybe outside of work and finding those hobbies. Um, besides my corporate ladder career growth, right? Um, I believe ed continuous education is extremely important. So whether I'm learning by teaching college students or even hopefully starting a PhD eventually to continue those researches through cybersecurity and show that different growth, right? You know, my phishing research that I've done has been incorporated hopefully in a lot of corporate businesses so that way, security education is continuously improving and stuff. And I also like to continue my efforts within the younger generation and encourage those to grow in STEM and hopefully, <laughs> hopefully join the cybersecurity career path and help prevent, you know, threat actors getting into businesses. 
Do you feel like the local chapters, like you were talking about OWASP and, mm -hmm. you know, ISSA and just, we work with them all over the country yep. again, because we try to help promote their chapters and, mm -hmm. you know, they help promote our events. And um, one of the things, because I know there's a lot of Kansas City people that probably work at Garmin listening to this right now, <laughs> uh, FutureCom, we will be in Kansas City in June. And um, honestly, I, I do want to invite you to come sit with our CISO panel. It's called a CISO panel, an expert leadership panel. And I'd love to have you come sit on that panel because I think you're such a great role model. <laughs> and um, again, I, I think that's so awesome what you're doing at such a young age. And what are your, um, do you have mentors that you look up to that, who, who are some of the mentors that got you where you are now? Oh, yeah. Um, and that honestly was a lot of help in my field. Um, I'll give a shout out to my very first mentor. Her name was Katie Christensen. And she worked very closely. Uh, Katie was kind of intimidating when I first met her. Uh, she worked in the Navy. And we crossed paths, obviously, at my first job. And she dedicated a lot of time to me. Um, I was an intern when she met me. So if you've ever worked with an intern before, it takes a lot of patience. And I definitely was an intern that needed patience. But that investment obviously played right back out as well. And my very first boss, his name was Billy McGurgan, um, he set a huge presence for me on a positive leader and a lot of good characteristics a leader should have that I try to apply to my day to day. Um, one of the things that he did, and it was such a small but like impactful thing every morning, regardless if he showed up at 7 a.m. or came in late in the afternoon, he would walk up and down and have a conversation with every single person. And I definitely try to have that with my team. There's days where it's absolutely busy or whatnot, but it's a way to have that personal touch with your associates, in my opinion, and just a way to have a sense of value that you are as a team member. So definitely Katie and Billy were huge, huge impacts <laughs> for me to start my career and allowing me to grow to who I am today. Well, and you're becoming that because of every, everything that you're doing. So how big is your team that you're currently running? Oh, yeah. Um, so we work at a global level. Uh, we have a SOC location here in Garmin. Uh, we have another SOC in Hyderabad, India, and then also Cluj, Romania. So in total, we have a very, very wide group. Um, here in Olathe, Kansas specifically, we have about 12 SOC members. And recently, because that's a lot, a lot of people, um, especially a lot of, you know, one-on-ones and time investment and having that large group, you can't, you can't really put in the amount of mentorship that these people need to be set up for success for. So we hired another <laughs> team lead to assist in that. And he seems to be doing great. Um, definitely supporting the mission and vision that Garmin stands for. So, so do you have to travel ever to those other countries? Have you been there? I, I wish, I wish, I wish I could. Um, I know some of uh, my coworkers and my peers have definitely traveled out to those locations and they have said nothing but good things. So hopefully maybe my day will come, but. <laughs> oh, it I'm sure it probably will. So is that hard um, working globally with um, other SOC teams and how are you, how, how do you guys do that? I mean. Yeah. Yeah, and I've worked at places before where we've had morning shift, mid shift, night shift socks, and communication and relationship building is a huge, huge thing. Um, 
we make an effort at least to have very early morning meetings. So that way we can interact with all three SOC leaders essentially and talk about, hey, this is what we need to improve on. This is a process change. Uh, what can we do to set ourselves up for success in the future? Um, our higher leadership does a great job to make sure that all of our global locations are very thoroughly involved in projects and improvements and also ensuring that communication is continuously being established. So are you doing now a lot of different talks? I know that like you kind of reached out to us, which I'm so happy you did. That's <laughs> one of the best things about this show is I get to meet so many interesting people that I would have never had the opportunity to meet just because they inquire to be on the show. And I think that's awesome. So are you finding yourself, um, are you trying to build your yep. speaking career? Yep. And one of my goals for 2023 was kind of get out of the Kansas City area for my for my talks. Right. You know, I want to take what I've done research on and what I think could help other businesses, other locations. So um, besides, I think it's a great way to start involvement, especially if public speaking is something that interests you. So I've applied at a few places outside of Kansas City. I've applied at uh, Albuquerque, a couple of conferences in Denver. Um, their call for papers, still their deadlines months out, but I always like to get that on an early start and then play my schedule accordingly for the summer and the fall. Well, we'll definitely be giving you shout outs just, uh, <laughs> just from being on here. I, I think, you know, we're going to in the future, see you standing up at RSA or Black Hat, you know, <laughs> as a, as a future speaker out there, because I've, I think it's, you know, it's, it's, Definitely, I think there is a big need to see younger women, you know, yep. in our industry because we just don't see that many still to this day. I mean, we were in Chicago last week. I try to um, make an effort to at least have one woman. If I can't, you know, I try to find the female keynote speaker or one woman on the panel. And it's it's really hard to find hard. that pool of women. But Kansas City, I'm very fortunate because there was, you know, last year, Sarah Flores. I don't know if you know Sarah Flores. Yep. She's the CISO um, for like uh, Bank of Nebraska, mm -hmm. BNO. And she was kind enough to do two events for us. And we had a few. There, you've got some great women leaders in Kansas City, but it's really hard. So any anyone out there that's listening, I'm always I'm always looking for speakers in general. So I'm not just saying women speakers. We, <laughs> we do 48 events all over. So we're always looking for speakers. But um, you're a really great role model. And what is... Um, do you have any upcoming, besides you said you're getting ready to speak to another high school soon? Or Yeah, I have two high schools, I think, lined up for March, um, speaking at um, a cybersecurity computer science group in Hayes, Kansas, um, I think in March as well. So I'm just trying to line <laughs> everything up and make sure I have time for everything. And uh, one of the most important things that I always end my talks with is I knew how difficult it was to not have a mentor through, you know, my academia journey. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea where to start, how to get a job. It was very, it was very, you know, a gray area for me. And you don't really think about that when you're trying to find yourself as an adult, <laughs> like, where do I start? So I always tell these young students and inspiring cyber leaders that, hey, I am here um, not only to make sure you guys are set for success as well, 
but I'm also here as a mentor. And I think last year I had invested at least 40, 40 to 50 hours in resume creation um, because these people, they don't know how to make resumes and a lot of the examples online are very dated or it didn't really meet what they wanted and they kept getting rejection. So I put in a lot of time with community service and resume building. And a lot of the people that I did help, you know, they ended up getting jobs or at least an interview, um, helped them start that direction. And, you know, we're getting down to, we have about four minutes left until we wrap up. But, you know, I always find it so interesting that there's so much, there's such a high demand to fill jobs in our industry, but yet, it's still hard for a student, again, to get a job without experience. Yeah. So I think we talked about this earlier, but what, again, if your you know, last thoughts of what you would say to someone to do while they're wrapping up maybe their senior year in high school? Yeah. And not and high school, college. College, whatever. And I actually wrote a blog about this. It's on my LinkedIn. And if you scroll through my posts, you eventually find it. But some highlighted bullets is, number one, any program, homework, anything that you do on the side, put in in GitHub and attach that repository link to your resume because this is showing a hiring employee, hey, where are you at? What can I do to help you grow? Um, also, uh, volunteering. Volunteering is a huge thing. And a lot of churches, you, even public schools, they're always looking for people to come in and talk about cybersecurity to students. And, you know, anyone can talk about, you know, social media security, right? Um, also, just continuously look for those internships, be involved with uh, your college clubs and programs. If there isn't a cybersecurity or a computer science club in your high school or college, you know, work with a faculty member and see if you can get one started. And this could just be something as easily as, you know, reading hacker news or bleeping computer, just to start learning about those threats and what you can do to grow your profession. And, um, Rihanna, where can most people find you? LinkedIn? LinkedIn's always a good place. <laughs> well, it's been really great having you on the show. Kudos a million times for everything that you're doing. There's a couple of people that are doing some things in the industry that I definitely want to hook you up with that are Absolutely. doing a lot for STEM and our next generation. Um, that are always looking for role models. So you would be someone that I definitely want to hook you up with someone. I'll do that offline, but thank you again. We had uh, Rihanna Schultz today, who is the team leader of the SOC um, over at Garmin out of Kansas City. She is a rock star. Thanks for being here, Rihanna. And um, for everyone else out there in Kansas City, we'll be coming out there this summer, and I'll hope that Rihanna will be sitting on our panel. Thanks, everyone. It was such a fast show. I knew that would be fast. Um, everyone, you guys, enjoy your weekend. Stay safe, stay secure, and we will see you next week with my uh, guest host is going to be Jonathan Kimmett. So um, stay, make sure you tune in for him. Thanks, everyone. Have a great weekend. Thank you for tuning into and security for all be sure to join your host kim hakem for another episode of the show next friday at noon pacific time and 3 p.m eastern time on the voice america business channel and don't forget you can follow kim on linkedin by searching for kim hakem that's kim h-a-k-i-m to keep yourself posted on all of her upcoming cybersecurity events